Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. I'm one of the pastoral staff uh, here at Arena. You probably, if you're regular at Ilkeston, you don't see me too much because I'm based in in Mansfield, in our Mansfield campus. And um, we're just... um, well, when we do get a chance to come through, um, we're just blessed to be here with you all. And, and you know what? We're family, aren't we? Yeah. We're all the same, p- part of the same church. So, you know, it's not just Mansfield, it's Ilkeston too. And, and so being here with you guys this morning is, is really, really special. Um, I bring greetings from everyone in Mansfield. I know they would send their love to you. And, and uh, we miss you guys when, when we're not together. Um, but there are great opportunities, hopefully this year even, I'll not say more, where we can get together uh, just a little bit more um, uh, apart from Sundays. So um, for those of you that don't know, um, if you're here for the first time, we've been going through a series um, over the last three weeks. This is the last week where we wrap it up uh, called Fearless. It's been a really inspirational series. Um, I've had the blessing of just listening to podcasts of, of Christian and, and Josh and, and what they've shared. And, and Christian was fantastic. And Josh too. Um, both of them fantastic. And I was really inspired. And so for me, it's really easy to follow up uh, from these two guys and, and just tie up the series today. Um, it's just, Fearless is such a catchy title, isn't it? Um, Fearless. And in fact, movies. There have been movies released with the name Fearless. There was a Jet Li movie. Anybody seen that about 10 years ago? Fearless? Anyone seen a Jet Li movie? Yeah, a few hands. Um, there was a, if, I think there was an ITV miniseries quite recently called Fearless. Maybe a few more hands on that one. Have you guys seen that? Yeah? You guys don't ever watch TV, do you? You see, the people in Mansfield watch TV all the time. Uh, you know, I get a bit more response on these things. Maybe, you, maybe there, there was an album, there was a music album released by Taylor Swift. Anybody know about that one called Fearless? Okay. Okay. Josh was sharing me early, early on that's really changed his life. That's his favorite <laughs> album of all time, Taylor Swift Fearless. So go and listen to it. In fact, I think he said he took some of his points for the sermon from that. From that. Just kidding. You see, Fearless is, is so much more than just a catchy title. Um, what we want to do in this series, and I believe it has already happened in the, w- the weeks past, is to inspire you, to inspire you to live a fearless life, not a fearful life, but a fearless life. And I believe that uh, as we look to the Word of God, we can be inspired to do so. Um, if you read this week's weekly news, if you're not signed up for weekly news, fill out a connection card uh, and get signed up so that we can just email you every week what's happening in the life of the church. And there's always a, a little bit of an inspirational message. And so this week we had an inspirational message from Helen. She's downstairs. Um, but she was talking about, about Judah, her son, and how he's just fearless at this young stage in his life. And it's so true. I think all of us probably started out fearless as, as little kids, but then we have a fall and, and suddenly a little bit of fear arises in us. And maybe we get our hearts broken for the very first time, uh, maybe in a relationship or something, and then suddenly we start to fear, what if it happens again? You fail an exam, you get rejected in a job application. Maybe a business that you've started doesn't go wrong. And so we start our lives fearless, but then suddenly fear starts creeping in just because of the experience um, of life. 
But 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 13 through 14 says this. It says, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. In other words, be fearless. The message to the church in this Corinthian letter was, be fearless. And the message is the same for us today, church. Arena Church, we need to be fearless in how we approach our lives. Now, the, the word fearless, if you look it up, there's various def- definitions that you'll find. And the one that I particularly liked was this. It says, invulnerable to fear or intimidation. Now, invulnerable, if you don't know what, I didn't really understand that fully. But it basically means immune to fear or intimidation. We can live our lives immune to that. Alini and I were watching a, um, a documentary uh, recently. It was actually a documentary on Paris, the city. Um, and there was a little story that really caught my attention. It wasn't the focus of the documentary. But there was a story about a little boy uh, who was fearless that caught my uh, attention. And I made a note of his name. And, and what I did is afterwards I went and, and read up a little about this, this little boy. His name was Marie-Antoine Carême. And he was born in, in the French Revolution. Every, anyone ever heard that name? We had one in Mansfield who'd heard of, of Karim. Yeah, yeah a few. One, one, one person. Not really well known at all. And, and there's no shame in not knowing. I'd never heard of his name. But he was born in the French Revolution to a very poor family. In fact, a family so poor, but they still had 15 kids. Um, and that only worsened the situation in terms of poverty. To the point that, um, that his dad actually... Uh, really just abandoned him on the streets because they just couldn't support him. And uh, we don't know the full story and the reasons why he did that. Perhaps he was hoping that somebody would actually, more fortunate, would pick him up, take pity on him, and give him a better chance in life than, than, than they were able to give with 15 kids and just very poor. And, and, you know, if we pause at that point and just imagine that little boy, uh, the fear, it says he was about 8 to 10 years old, He was just left on the streets of Paris during the French Revolution, uh, a time of much poverty and turmoil, uh, definitely not a safe environment. And this little boy, full of fear, and you can only imagine everything that he was going going through his mind in an environment that, that even adults were struggling in. But... As it turns out, a restaurant owner took pity on this little boy, and and what he did is he brought him to work in his kitchen. So at the age of 8 to 10, 8 to 10, this little little boy started washing dishes in the kitchen and eventually started moving up in terms of tasks that he was given. Um, And eventually that started a journey to, to this little boy becoming probably the most influential chef of all time. Now, for you guys, you think, well, it doesn't make a difference in my life. This little boy, he invented the, the, you know, the whites that chefs wear in the kitchen. If it wasn't for him, that wouldn't be there. He invented the concept of courses because at that, previously to that, people would just put all the food together on the table all at once. But he actually invented the concept of one, two, three different courses. And so... He wrote books, which if you're in the food industry or if you're a chef, you may know 200 years later still affect the culinary industry. And so this is a man who achieved so much, who had every reason to be crippled by fear, having gone through everything he went through as just a little boy, an 8 to 10-year-old boy, things that would make us fear as adults. But he lived 
a life and went on to achieve so much because he lived a fearless life. He overcame fear. You see, fearless living is not an immunity to struggle. It's not that we don't have difficult circumstances. It's not even blindly closing our eyes and just saying, I'm just going to push through it. Not at all. But it's rising above and it's being invulnerable or immune to fear and intimidation, no matter what is happening. Yeah? Do you believe as Christians today that we can be immune to the fear and the intimidation that would come against us, even though circumstances are difficult, that we can rise above that? Yeah? Can I hear an amen? We can do so as children of the living God today. And so... We, you know, we've heard uh, over the past weeks, um, as I touched on Christian, talking about failure, how we deal with failure, Josh about facing our fears. And today my topic is, is courage and convictions. Courage and convictions. Two things which, which really do go together. And I want to just touch um, briefly this morning on, on the story of, of David and Goliath, which we find in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to look at that uh, in a little bit of detail. Um, It's one of the most well-known stories in the Bible, really. I I think I probably, and I did ask for a show of hands in Mansfield, I won't today, but pretty much all the hands went up, because we've all heard it. Even if you're here at church for the first time, David and Goliath is probably one of the stories you've heard. But what I just want to believe today is that we can... Not just sit and, and switch off because it's something we've heard before. But can we be attentive today? Because I believe God wants to speak into our lives through a very well-known story. That he can still speak something fresh into our situations and into our lives today. Do you believe that? Yeah. Good. So First Samuel 17, as I said, um, tells us a story of, of a, a, a man called Goliath. This giant of a man who the Bible says um, stood over nine feet tall. Now, to give you some context, the, the tallest man, I looked it up on the internet, the tallest man in the Guinness Book of World Records today uh, is just over eight foot. So this man is bigger than anything you and I can imagine, a foot taller than the, the tallest man that exists today. And, and, and he's just massive. It says that his armor weighed 125 pounds. He was a Philistine, and in that time... His people were at war with the people of Israel. And so they, they were facing each other on two sides of the valley. Um, the two armed forces just facing each other, getting ready for battle. And he would come out and taunt the opposition army, taunt the Israelites, uh, basically challenging them to a one-on-one battle. And of course, it's one thing with a thousand men and one of them's a giant, but a one-on-one battle is, is a little bit more tricky, isn't it? Yeah. And so it says in the Bible, it says that the, the, the people of Israel, the soldiers, the army of Israel were terrified and deeply shaken. It doesn't say they were scared. It, doesn't, it actually uses the word terrified. These big armed men, warriors that they were, were terrified and shaken at the, 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 the thought of having to take on this giant and of course, we, um, you could probably, any one of you could stand up and tell the story too, but enter David, this shepherd boy who, um, his David was Jesse, his father was, was Jesse, sorry, and uh, Jesse had asked him to take food to his three brothers who were in the army. And, uh, and so David left the sheep, left them to somebody else, 
and went down to the, arm, to, to the, the war front. And as he arrived, it says Goliath was starting his day, daily taunt. So he was there on the battle lines doing what he was doing, just, just challenging the people. It says that that went on for 40 days, so it was an ongoing thing. And, and as he, he arrived, David's first response was, who is this guy? And what is the reward for killing him? And of course, you know, a, a, a young shepherd boy asking that questions, people told him to hush, especially his brothers rebuked him for even asking. But word got back to King Saul, who, who summoned him. And there was a, some interaction between him and Saul, some, 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 some discussion. And eventually Saul liberated Sam, him and said, go for it, go for it. And so this little shepherd boy who, who, who um, had no experience in war as such went out, with not with the, the king's armor, but just with his shepherd outfit and took on this massive giant. And obviously we know the story so well that with just a sling and a stones, he, he defeated the giant and he came falling down. What a great story. What an inspirational story. Um, that we can draw, draw inspiration from so many thousand years later. But as I was preparing for, for this message today, um, what I did is I found myself asking questions about this story, just as I was reading it, because it is so familiar to all of us. So I asked myself a few questions, and, and just in doing so, I have a few observations which I want to share with you this morning as well. You see, for us to live a fearless life, for us to live with courage and conviction... It's not something that you can go out of here, decide today, I'm just going to muster up a little bit more courage. You, you might go out and you might, for a brief second, have a little bit more courage, but eventually it's going to run out. It's not something you can muster up. It's not something you can just decide, I'm going to be more courageous and be so. It has to come from somewhere. And so in order to, for, for us to live a fearless life that is continually fearless, um, then we need to, to dig a little deeper this morning and just see where did David's courage come from? What was the source of this, this young shepherd boy's courage? And so that's really the first um, question that I, I asked myself as I was, as I was looking at this, this passage of Scripture. And I just want to read a section from 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. And it's going to come up on the screen what was the source of David's courage? Verse 34, but David persisted. Now, this is at the point where he's talking with Saul before he's gone out to face Goliath. David persisted, and he said, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and bear will rescue me from this Philistine. You see, David had strong convictions. He had very strong convictions. His courage actually came from the convictions that he had. Dictionaries define conviction as a fixed or a strong belief, which is great, and I don't dispute the dictionaries, but conviction really is, is more than that. Convictions include your values, your commitments, your motivations. The 
famous Bible teacher from America, Howard Hendricks. If you don't know if you've heard of him, but he said this. He said, a belief is something you'll argue about. A conviction is something you'll die for. A belief, you, you may have beliefs, maybe political beliefs, and you, have, you may have a, a, you know, whatever beliefs you have, but a conviction is something that you'll actually die for. You see, David's courage came from his convictions. It's far stronger than just a belief. It's conviction. Convictions are the motivation for our courage. And so it's important that we assess what are our convictions. You know, most of you know, you can, if you don't know, you've probably heard from my accent uh, that I am from South Africa. And I know we've got South Africans in the house and we have an amazing rugby team despite the horrible comments that were made from the stage earlier. Um, at least, well, no, I won't say our, our recent results because they don't really testify, but we have two World Cups and England has one. Let's just leave it at that. I'm off track here, but... Uh, I'm South African, and, and one of the things growing up in, in the time that I grew up is one of the things that all young men had to do as compulsory was enlist to, to, to basically a military service. So I grew up um, in the shadow of thinking that at some point I was going to have to go to compulsory military service of two years. And, and that's just something that, that everyone did in South Africa in my time. And, and I, was, I was fearful. <laughs> We've heard of David and his boldness and his courage, but I was so fearful. I, I lived with a dread inside my stomach that I was going to have to go to the military. And please, you know, don't judge me for that, whatever my reasons. But I, was, I wasn't made to be, a, a, you know, an, in the army. I just know that. I just don't have that in me. But I had no courage whatsoever and, and sometimes even lost sleep at night thinking about what would I do when I've called up to go to the military service. And, and I didn't think and analyze it a lot as, as a young boy. And fortunately, I never had to go because when I was just in my teenage years, things changed in South Africa and, and everything you know, changed for the better. And, and so I was able to, to not even have to make that choice. But as I analyzed later on, I really, and as I was even preparing for the sermon, I had to look at my heart and say, well, where, what was the reasons for that? Because I'm bold. I am bold in some areas. Um, you know, I've made bold decisions in the past. I'm not a chicken. Um, but why was I... <laughs> I'm allowed to say that from the front. Well, I just did. Why was I so scared? And I, you know what I had to... What I believe the reason was, because I didn't have the conviction to back up or to, to, to give rise to that courage. You see, I didn't believe. I love South Africa and I still do. But I didn't believe in the battle that the military was standing for. Um, I, was, I was dead nervous that I was going to have to fight a war that I didn't believe in. Because I didn't believe in the apartheid era South Africa, I had very different views. And the way I was raised was very different. And so, so actually, for me... There wasn't the conviction in my heart to say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to fight this battle, as there perhaps would have been in, in the war, um, you know, in, in the second, first or second world war, where, where men went out and risked their, their very lives for, 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 for the country, uh, fighting against for their own freedom. That, there was conviction there, and that leads to courage. And so I think in our daily lives, just in a, again another example, that we need to get our convictions right before we can ha- come to the point where we can really have courage. And some observations from David's life is that, first of all, uh, David had a conviction that God was on his side. 
just from those verses that we read a little bit earlier, David knew that God was on his side because of his relationship with God. The Psalms are full of just beautiful love songs and, and just also cries to, to God. And it just talks about the open and the, the intimate relationship that he had with God. You see, God, he was a shepherd out in the, in the fields looking after his sheep. He was a shepherd, but God was his constant companion. He also knew that the Israelites were God's chosen people because God had, had, had spoken that over them. He had chosen these as his people. And so he knew when, when Goliath was, was defying the armies of Israel, he was defying God. He knew that God was on his side. Several times he refers to um, the living God, um, the armies of, not just the armies of Israel, the armies of the living God is who you're defying. You see, we need to have that firm conviction that God is on our side. That he will give us courage when we need it. Can you say that for sure today? I hope you can, that if you're a, a Christian today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you can say, God is on my side. Yeah. I have that firm conviction that, I can, that can give rise to courage because God is on our side. Yeah. But yet, there's often barriers, aren't there, that, um, that we maybe cause us to have a little bit of doubt that God's on our side. Can I just say, if you don't know Jesus today, if you're here today and you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, you can't say that I believe God is on my side. Well, today's your opportunity. Today's your opportunity to commit your life to Jesus Christ so that you can walk out of here with a spring in your step and know that He is on your side in the battles that you face throughout the week, throughout the months, wherever you go, that God is on your side. But still, for some of us as Christians, um, we do have barriers. And, and just a few that we may have is, is the barrier of sin. You see, when we're, when we're in living lives of sin or living lives as we shouldn't be, that sometimes brings up a barrier. And, and maybe it, it, it makes us think a little, is God really on my side? Am I really worthy? Let me tell you that God is on your side. That when you turn back to him, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you're here today and in, you're, you believe in Jesus, but you're just wavering, well, this is your opportunity to turn back to him, to refresh that relationship, to push aside that sin so that you can know again in your mind and in your heart, God is on my side. He is with me. He won't leave me. He won't forsake me but also not including God in our plans. You see, sometimes we want to live our own lives. We do our own thing. And then when we come to the point of making a bold step, we lack courage because we're like, I didn't even ask God about this. You know, we have to have our conviction that God is in our plans because we've rooted and our foundation of everything we do is on the plans that God has placed in our hearts. We're living God's agenda, not our own agenda. And then we can be confident that, you know, God is with us. We can have courage. We can have the conviction in what we're doing. You know, today's Mother's Day, and, and it's actually Alini, my wife's birthday as well. Isn't that? Let's, let's give it up for Alini. Now, I didn't ask her about this, and, I, I, you know, if she's embarrassed, she'll deal with it. She'll get over it. But... Um, but she's, she's a wonderful, wonderful woman of God. For those of you that don't know the story, 
She, in, in August 2016, the 15th of August, we had a little beautiful baby girl, uh, Bella, who was walking around here earlier, hopefully not being too disruptive. And my amazing wife, 15 days after she gave birth by cesarean section uh, to this little baby, moved because of a call that was on our lives, not just mine, moved from Scotland to England, uprooted, sold a house, moved into a new house, moved location, away from friends to wonderful people, but we still didn't know you guys. And, and she, didn't have, she had the courage to do that. Why did she have the courage? Because she knew. She knew that God was right in the center of those plans because she knew with all the prayer and the, the seeking God that we'd, we'd done, she knew God is with us. If he calls us to do it, we can have courage to step out. It's not a credit to, to Alenia. It's the fact that, that, that we put her, God in the center of our plans and what God is in the center of, he will give us the conviction and courage to, to act upon. So conviction that God was on his side, but he also had conviction that God was a God who was able to rescue his people. So it's one thing having God on our side, but also God is able. God is able. And the thing with with, uh, David is that he had seen that God was able. able. He could testify that God was able through his own experience. Because he'd seen uh, these, these lions and bears defeated. He'd seen how God had been close to him in, in hard times before. And so he knew that God was able. Not only his own experience, but he had heard the accounts of how God had come through for the Israelites in the past. There was just a few chapters before 1 Samuel 17, the account of Goliath, is a story about Jonathan who would later become David's best friend. And how Jonathan and his armor bearer basically snuck up to, to, to the enemy armies. And basically the two of them on their own, with God's help, basically took on this whole army. And caused them to, to panic and run and, and, and be confused. And two men took on a whole, a whole army. You see the stories of how God is able. God can do it in your life too. You see, we need to have the conviction that God is on our side, but we need to have the conviction that God is a God who can rescue his people. Psalm 27 verses 1 through 3 says, The Lord is the stronghold of my life. This is David. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. He's alive and he still rescues his people. You know, I, I heard something a few years ago that a guy said, and, and, and it really actually stayed with me. He said, um, he was sick at the time, and he, and he said this. He said that, I'm invincible. I'm, I can't die unless God decides that. And, and for me, because, you know, you do live in fear. What could, this could happen, that could happen. And I'm not saying we don't... We, we don't prepare for that. But at the end of the day, unless God decides it, unless God rubber stamps it, none of you are going to die. Yeah? God's in control of everything. Yeah? All of us are going to. That's without a doubt. But the timing is up to God. And so let's not walk out of here and live in fear. And I know some of us are sick and some of us go through things. But it's only God who's going to decide. Until that happens, you're invincible. Until God decides it. Because God is on your side and he is more than able. But the other thing I want, I, I, the other question I suppose that I asked him was that, asked about this story was, 
What was David's attitude to fear? And 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. So what was the source of God's fear? We've looked at, sorry, David's, what was the source of David's courage? And secondly, what was David's attitude to fear? 1 Samuel 17, 26 says, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get? What will, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? You see, David actually saw fear. He saw the fear as an insult to God. He saw the defying of the armies of Israel or the armies of the living God, actually. It actually made him angry. It actually, something arose within David that he said, you know what, I am not standing for this. The fear that he saw in the soldiers made him angry because he, he didn't want to see the, the armies of the living God living in fear because of what the enemy was saying to them, because of what the enemy was doing, causing them to have this fear. It actually angered, angered him. So he said, he actually said those words, who does he think he is? Who does Goliath think he is? I'm not standing for this. You know, sometimes when we are faced with fear, we have different attitudes towards fear. We can avoid fear, maybe avoid situations that bring fear in us. We can actually sometimes go in denial and ignore fear because it's just part of life. We think we just have to ignore it to avoid it. And sometimes we can even talk about managing fear. How do we manage our fear? And while all of these things are fine, that wasn't David's attitude. He rebuked the fear. He said, I, I, I rebuke it. In, he didn't say in Jesus' name, but uh, we can say that today. In Jesus' name, I rebuke that fear. I'm not standing for it. Who do you think you are? You see, when you're faced with situations where people are, are saying things about you, you can never accomplish this. You know, maybe they say that about our church arena. We can never do the things that we dream or imagine to do. I'm not standing for that. Now I'm going to say, who do you think you are? Not in an arrogant way, but in a way that we are, we are fighting God's battle. Yeah. Greater is he that is in us that is, than he is in the world. How dare you come against the army of the living God? How dare you come against the people of the living God? We can accomplish great things yeah. with him. So a little bit of anger. Maybe a little bit of anger is a good thing. That was David's attitude to fear. Who do you think you are? Do we just tolerate it or... Or do we really move on from it? And First Samuel 17, 45 to 47, I'll just read these few verses. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you, and I will cut off your head. Wow! Obviously our battles are not the same as his are not physical. And I'm not saying that. If everyone cuts out a snippet of this, they'll call me like I'm inciting hate, hate through my message. Not at all. You understand that the battle that David faced was a physical battle. The battle that we're in is, 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 is a spiritual battle. But we need to arm ourselves. We need to have a little uh, 
anger inside of us to come against the forces of the enemy and say, I'm going to use the sword. I'm going to use the shield. I'm going to use the armor that I've got. I'm not just going to sit and tolerate it and push it to the side or manage it or work my way around it. No, I'm going to cast it out in the name of Jesus. Have a little anger towards fear when it comes against you. Anger, anger. Just kidding. I'm going out overboard on the anger. No. I'm not really an angry guy, guys, but here's the thing. We need to be serious when we come to building God's kingdom. Serious about the fact that God has called us and he wants to prosper us. He wants to grow us. He wants to do great things for us. And the enemy would love nothing more than you minimize yourself, your calling, make you sit in fear, and never accomplish the things that God has called you to accomplish. God tells us, fear not. Take your stand. The last thing is this, that what did David do about it? 1 Samuel 17, 40 through 44 says this. He picked up five smooth stones from the stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared to David, that you come against me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. And as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling, and it hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine army with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. What did David do about it? You see, David didn't just talk courage, but he stepped out and he acted courageously too. Can we be honest? Yeah, for a moment. See, it's easy to talk good talk, isn't it? Even in church. It's easy to say those things. I'm full of faith. God is with you. God is with us. He is. But there comes a point where we need to step out. I, I was reading recently about you know, Donald Trump, and I'm not making any political statements, whether you like him or don't. I think most people in the UK probably don't, but you know, that's, that's your decision. Um, one thing he did say in the light of all these shootings that have happened recently um, was that um, there was this security guard who, who was at the shooting in Florida and, and he, he was obviously armed and he didn't actually enter to confront the gunman. And so this was a little bit of a, you know, it's been going on in the news recently and, and uh, I read about Donald Trump. He said, if I was him, I would have gone in. And he actually said this, he said, even if I wasn't armed, I would have gone in and confronted the gunman. Now, I don't know, maybe he would have. Um, and, and that's fantastic. But here's the thing. It's very different talking the talk, and it's very different doing the deed. To go and confront a gunman without an arm, any, any, any armor or any um, guns at all. And so I don't know. Maybe he would have, and he would have been an amazing hero. But here's the thing. For us, as Christians in the church, let's not just talk the talk. Let's do what we need to do. Let's step out. You see, we can easily say, 
God bless you as we send off missionaries. God is with you. Um, we're, we're believing that God can do anything for you. But then in our lives, and I'm not saying we're all called to missions because we're not, but in our lives, God asks us to step out. Do we actually do it? You see, we're a pioneering church. It's easy for us to say, uh, we're pioneering. Are we really pioneering? Are some of us willing to step out of our comfort zones and say, yes, I can talk the talk, but I can do what I need to do too. Step out here in Ilkeston. Maybe God's called you to do something new. But let me tell you, there'll be more campuses planted at Arena. I'm not talking about Mansfield. I'm talking about campuses that are still to come. And some of us are going to have to get off of our seats. And we're going to have to step out. And we're going to have to put the rubber on the road, as it were. And say, yes, I believe in God. He's a great God. But I'm also going to step out. And I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm going to be fearless. Like David was fearless. It wasn't just talk. It was action. I'm going to live. In a fearless manner. You see, I believe God is asking us to step out. I believe that when you step out, as, as David did, sometimes you expose yourself to more ridicule like he did from, from Goliath. The moment he stepped out from those, that, that, that army line, the insults came against him. That might happen. But let me tell you, God is with you. I, I wish I could say that you'll always be victorious. That may not be the case. Christian spoke a few weeks ago about failure and how we deal with it. And you should listen to that because it, we don't always win. But we will do know we will be victorious in the end. Yes. That we will be victorious in the end. That we can still live a life, a fearless life, as he's called us to do. I'm going to ask the guys forward just as we, as we wrap it up today. You see... I feel it's just so important for us here today. It's so important for us to realize these three things. It's, realize, it's so important for us to realize that courage does come from our convictions. That we need to know what we believe. We need to understand that. We need to have convictions on our heart which will release courage. It's not just mustering it up. But it's also so important for us to say, I'm going to take a stand. Even if it means I'm becoming a bit, I'm going to take a stand against fear. I'm going to be angry if I need to be, but I'm, I'm not tolerating it anymore. And then also stepping out, stepping out in, in faith in a fearless way for what God has called you to do. You see, I've spoken about church today, but the same could be true in your life in many areas. In fact, I'm sure that there's some of us facing areas in our own personal lives as well where fear has crippled us. For the Israelite army, it crippled them for 40 days where they just stood in one place and, and never moved, never advanced, never won the battle. For the Israelites, the people of Israel earlier in their history, it was 40 years. Fear of going into the promised land, of facing the giants, kept them for 40 years in the wilderness. I don't want you to stand still. I don't want Arena Church to stand still. I want us to push through in a fearless way into everything that God has asked us to do. Could we stand to our feet?
just going to ask you just to bow your heads at this time. You know, if you don't know Jesus here today, if you can't really say that, that God is on my side, I know that for sure. As I said before, you can walk out of here with that certainty that God is on your side. And, you know, there's an admission we need to make that we can't do it on our own. There's an admission to make that we're sinners and that we need his help. But as we turn to Jesus, as we turn to him, he welcomes us. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and, and he's waiting for you to come home. Come to that position of just certainty and peace that God is on your side. The same peace that David had.